It is great to be uh, with you here today. Again, my name is Christian Kuhn. My pronouns are he, him, and his. I'm the pastor of Emerging Ministries at Urban Village, uh, also pastor at, at our newest site, UVC West. It's great to be with you here today. It has literally been years since I have preached at a Wicker Park site, uh, and so I am really pleased to be with you here today. Also, welcome. It's great to also connect with our online audience as well, and so I look forward to kind of sharing a few words with you today. So we are, uh, as Carter noted, we are doing a sermon series about community, and today's focus is on promise-keeping and promise-making. And so as I was thinking about that concept, how do we make promises, how do we keep promises, I thought about the kinds of things that we do as children to let the other know, I am serious about this promise that I am making. So I thought of about three things, but let me throw it out to some of you here today, and as those of you watching online too, if you want to make a comment in the chat, whether on YouTube or Facebook. So think back to when you were children, and as you were talking with a friend or a family member, and you wanted to know, I'm serious about this promise that I was making, what are some of the things that you would say? Pinky promise, yes, absolutely. That is one of the things that you wanted to make sure that your friend knew, or pinky swear, I've also heard as well, yes. What are some others? Cross my heart, absolutely. So you would cross your heart. Now, as I was thinking about it growing up, and when I really reflected on the word, it gets a little violent. I would say growing up, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. So you knew, I'm serious about this. Were there any other variations on that that others heard too? Any My Little Pony friends in the house or fans? I see a couple hands. I just learned this this week. That on My Little Pony, the characters, both Pinkie Pie and Twilight Sparkle, had a different variation on Cross My Heart. And that was this, Cross My Heart and Hope to Fly, Stick a Cupcake in My Eye. It's a little uh, less violent than the needles, so, uh, and then you have cupcakes, so who doesn't like a cupcake, right? Uh, any others? I can think of one more. Any of you ever heard someone, like, you know they're serious, and they say, I swear on, and then it's usually some object. So I swear, not just on one Bible, I swear on a stack of Bibles that I am says, or... Again, we're getting into the kind of uh, morbid. We say, I swear on, and then they list their family member who has passed away. I swear on my grandmother's grave, or whoever it is. Or, I swear on my child's life that I'm serious about this. So I think about all of these different ways that we convey to the other person, you can trust me when I say this thing. Now, think about the language that we use today and think about the, doing a 180 from these serious commitments that we make to somebody else. Instead, we use language these days like ghosting. And that seems to be the opposite of cross my heart, hope to die, stick either a cupcake or a needle, choose whichever one you want in my eye. Instead, ghosting is something that we talk about. And so, uh, how many of you have been ghosted before in your life? Yes? Uh, 
I won't ask you to raise your hand. Maybe you have been somebody who has ghosted. Uh, and if that's the case, we'll pray for you later on. Uh, it hurts to be ghosted. Uh, but it seems like, especially in our digital age, making commitments either via text or a dating app, or so I'm told, uh, is, uh, is challenging and hard. And we do sometimes... Facebook event math, too. You put up an event that you want people to show up, and now we have to know a hundred people have said, yes, I'm going to be there. But in our heads, we know maybe 25 are actually going to show up. Because those commitments and those promises that we make, when we do those digitally, eh, that doesn't really count. So we live in this time digitally and otherwise, too, where promise-making, promise-keeping maybe doesn't have the same weight when we were kids. And we wanted to convey the seriousness of that. So I want to talk about promise-keeping and promise-making as we talk about community today. What does it mean to make promises not only to God, but what does it mean to make and keep promises when we are in community together? and the power of that. So we look today in this passage that Brett uh, read from us from 2 Corinthians. So just another quick word. I don't want to assume that when you turn toward the back of the Bible and there's all these uh, books that are sometimes hard to pronounce like Colossians and Galatians and Philippians and Corinthians. We may not know exactly what those are. Those are all letters many of them written by this man named Paul. Paul was this guy who had this amazing uh, interaction with the resurrected Christ and was so moved, his life was so turned around by that that he became a church planter. So he started churches all in what is today we know as Greece and Turkey, all these different cities. So this thing that we're reading today is a letter that Paul wrote to this burgeoning church in the city of Corinth. And so in a lot of these letters that Paul is writing, he's trying to describe to them not only about who Jesus is in their lives, but he's trying to let them know this is how we are church. Now, as we read this passage today, as we kind of both read literally in the text and as we read between the lines, uh, there's some problems here that Paul is having with the church of Corinth. So whenever I read these letters, and it seems like there are issues... To be honest, that makes me feel okay. Because sometimes if we feel like the church should be this perfect place where there is no conflict and everybody gets along with everybody else, all you have to do is read through some of these letters and you realize they had their issues too. And we're picking up on this today because the church at Corinth essentially is accusing Paul of ghosting them. And they are saying, Paul, you told us that you were going to be here. You said that you would show up and that you haven't done that. And so Paul notes that here. He says, was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Did I make my plans according to ordinary human standards, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? So they're accusing Paul of saying, you said you would show up. You clicked on the Facebook event saying that you would be there, and you are not showing up. What's up with that? And then Paul is trying to convey to them, I had every good intention of doing so, but he begins to explain why that is. Now, we can also see, again, there's conflict with Paul and this church in Corinth. If we were to keep on reading, as you go into chapter 2, 
2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. So I made, I, this is Paul talking. So I made up my mind not to make you another painful visit. Paul's having issues with Corinth. People at Corinth are having issues with Paul. It's not all unicorns and roses in this church. And so they're trying to figure out how can we be church in the midst of this? Can we trust one another? The people in Corinth are asking, can we trust you, Paul? And maybe Paul is wondering to himself, can I trust these people who don't trust me? How are we going to be part of community in the midst of all of this? Well, I think Paul is trying to convey at least two things in this passage today about the importance of community and the importance of making and keeping promises and knowing that you can trust somebody's word when they say they're going to do what they're going to do. So that's the first thing. Paul knows the seriousness of these accusations that the people of Corinth are making. And so he's trying his best to say, yes, you can trust who I am. Verse 18, Paul says this, as surely as God is faithful... Our word to you has not been yes and no. Paul is saying, I am not speaking out of both sides of my mouth. Paul knows the importance in community. Paul knows the importance of commitment and of trust and dependability in community. And it's so vital when you are trying to create a community of faith, a church, any family, anything at all, to know I can count on you, and you can count on me. In this sermon series, we're also looking at a book written by Christine Pohl, and it's called Living Into Community. And in this book, she writes this about how important it is around commitment and committing to one another. And she writes, commitment is love's way of being whole while it still grows into wholeness, and promises help us to stabilize our love in the midst of the fickleness of our feelings. Let me read that last part of that again. Promises that we make to one another, promises help us to stabilize our loves in the midst of the fickleness of our feelings. One reason I love that, not just about the promises, but she names the fact, or what is named here, is that we are a fickle people. Sometimes when we are in community with one another, it's not always, oh, I am so tied to the people in this community. We always get along. I'm always there for them, and they are always there for me. That doesn't always happen, friends. Sometimes, and I will admit this too, we can be a little fickle. And especially as we are coming out of this pandemic, it's been a long time since we've been church in the flesh. I feel like some of my community of faith muscles have gotten kind of flabby. I need to exercise them. And I've talked to so many people, too, that it's hard to come back. I've talked to people like me, pastors, other pastors who do this for a living, and they say, it's hard to get up on Sunday mornings anymore. I can't always commit as I did before, I'm getting and feeling a little fickle. And yet, we remember perhaps the promises that we made. And we show up even when we're not feeling it. We show up even in places and in times when we would be so many other kinds of places. 
and yet we continue to show up. That's what it means to be part of community because we've made these commitments and promises to each other, even when we are not feeling or looking our best. That's part of the process. I was so, when I was thinking about the, the, the promises that we make to one another as part of community, I was thinking about a story that a seminary professor of my mine told way back in the 90s when I was uh, in seminary. He told a story about when he was pastoring a church. And as part of that church, they had a pretty vibrant youth group. And one of the young women in this youth group, this high school student who was just a delight, always full of joy, so well-loved by so many people in the church. And as he tells the story, tragically, this young woman, this high school student, died in a car accident. And the church community was devastated, understandably, just devastated. How could this light seem to be squelched in this way? Not long after that, a few weeks after that, after the funeral, after everything else, her parents came in front of the congregation. I mean, we cannot, I cannot imagine the devastation that she must have been feeling or that their parents must have been feeling. But they stood in front of the congregation and they said this, we want to thank you as the church for staying true to the promises that you made at her baptism when she was a child. I don't know if you've ever been part of a, a baptisms that we do at Urban Village and often we do baptisms for people of all ages, but often of course we do baptisms of, of, of infants and babies. And when we invite uh, the guardians or the parents to come up, the first thing that we do is we ask them to make a commitment. I try when I do uh, essentially pre-baptismal counseling with the parents, and I try to convey this to them. It's a, it's a beautiful sacrament. You dress the baby up, there's water, all these kind of wonderful, lovely things. They invite family in, everybody dresses up for the occasion. All of that is very beautiful. But I try to let them know, you are also making a commitment to raise this child in the church so that they know the seriousness of that commitment. But it's not just the parents. I also turn to the congregation and I tell them, friends, it's not just the parents who are up here who are making these commitments. They are answering some questions. but. The community is also saying, we commit to helping these parents raise this child in the faith. Now, I will admit, I give the congregation a cue, meaning saying, I say some words and I say the answer is we do.
when we are lamenting, when death and injustice is all around us. I appreciated Lawrence kind of naming the fact today that feelings under the weather and everything else, and yet Lawrence is showing up. That is how God is doing this in our community and in our own lives. And I hope that all of you can think of at least one time in your life where we knew that promise, that we knew that God was continuing to show up and be present for us. That became evident to me this week as I was on an online interview. So at our newest site at UBC West, we're hiring a new children's minister. And so we have people on this search committee, one of whom uh, is Vinia Doss. Is Vinia here today? I don't think she is. So some our Hyde Park Woodlawn folks probably know Vinia. Vinia has been part of the church for several years. Vinia is known for many things, one of which, uh, and perhaps the biggest thing is, at least in my opinion, she is a phenomenal baker. She is the director of Ministry Suites at Hyde Park Woodlawn. Uh, we have had uh, a couple of auctions at UVC in recent years where people will say, uh, you know, I can offer this gift or talent of myself or this item, and people will bid on this. And Vinia one year uh, put up two cheesecakes for auction. Friends, I have never been more serious about an online auction in my life. I was getting those cheesecakes. My kids can't go to college anymore <laughs> because I made sure. <laughs> That's not true. But I was serious about this auction, and I won. Thanks be to God, I won those cheesecakes. And so Vinia reached out to me and said, well, what we could do is she gave me all the different flavors that she makes. She said, you know, I make this really great pumpkin cheesecake. And this was in the, like, spring or summer. She said, I could do this where I give you a cheesecake now, and then in the fall, kind of pumpkin season, I'll give you the pumpkin cheesecake then. I said yes to that. So she gave me a cheesecake right away, and then I will confess to you, I kind of forgot about the other cheesecake. But Vinia, God bless her, did not forget. Vinia's yes was a firm yes. And so she reached out to me and said, are you ready for your pumpkin cheesecake? I said, yes, Vinia, I am ready for that. But a second thing, and this is one of the many things I love about Vinia is this week, as we were interviewing this a candidate for this position, the candidate asked, what can the church do to help support this new person in this position? I thought it was a great question. And all of us on the search team answered that question. And Vinia said something that almost made me start to cry. She said she has a daughter. Many of you know she has a daughter who just graduated from high school. And she said, I want my grandchildren to be able to be part of Urban Village. I want this community of faith to be here. Now, she was very clear, I want this to happen a long time from now. But I want this community of faith, this vibrant, bold, inclusive, and relevant community to be here for my grandchildren. She wants that commitment and that promise to be here for another generation at least. Friends, I will confess to you, sometimes it's just day to day for me. And I wonder, as I get out of bed, is the church going to survive this pandemic? Are we going to be able to make it through? And that's not a bad prayer, Lord, get me through today. But Vania also sees much farther out. She knows that God's promises are there for us in the future. And she committed 
in that interview to us that she is going to be here for another generation because my grandchildren need to have Urban Village Church. And when she said that, I thought, thank you, Jesus, for Vanilla. Because she was committing and promising that she would be here in the coming years so that we could do all we could to make sure that this community of faith is still around. I have no idea what it will look like. I have no idea what iterations will take place as we do what we can to let people know about Jesus through the way that we do community and church. But I know this, friends, we can only do it if all of us commit to God and commit to one another. Our promises have to be there. We have to show up even in those fickle moments. It's going to be hard at times, especially in the coming weeks and months. But I pray that our yeses will be yes. That we will be here for generations so that others can know about God's radical, inclusive love through Jesus, through who we are. And I am committing to that myself. And I hope you do the same. Cross my heart. Let's pray. Holy and loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for the promises that you make in our own lives. You promise us, when you created us, your promise to us would be that you would never leave us. And we know that fully through Jesus. I pray that you would help us to make and keep our promises to you and to one another even in challenging days ahead because we know when that happens our community is so vibrant and so loving and we know that you are with us in the midst of all of that. Amen. I invite you now to take just a couple of moments and reflect on perhaps what you've heard today Perhaps in the midst of this reflection, think about what promises can you make now as we go into